Anthony Urgioli filling in for Scott Thompson coming up on the podcast. An alarming increase in the amount of STIs found across Canada. What is going on? What's causing the increase? We'll try and get some answers from David Brennan, who's a social professor, faculty of social work, University of Toronto. Also, stories been making rounds last month about a gamer girl who streams herself playing video games. She decided to sell her bath water for $30. She claims she sold out. Why are people purchasing this? We'll get some answers, hopefully, from Kristen Sonata Walker, CEO of Everything EHR and the Mental Health News Radio Network. Last night was the second half of the Democratic debates. Who came out on top? Who were the surprises? Who didn't do so well? Reggie Cicchini is going to join us, Washington producer and correspondent with Global News based in Washington. The Legends, my favorite duo, Surfer Bros who attend municipal city council meetings, mostly in California, pushing for controversial legislation. One of their latest battles is getting Nickelback diplomatic immunity in the United States. Chad, Kroger, and JT Surfer Bros are going to join us. Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. First, though, alarming, alarming increase in sexually transmitted infections found across Canada. That's what we're talking about now. And we're joined by David Brennan, Associate Professor, um, University of Toronto. And David joins us now. Hi, David. Hi there. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. You know, every time I see something like this, like, you know, a, a alarming increase in STIs found across Canada, this almost goes, and they might not be connected at all. Maybe it's just a coincidence. But I, I'm thinking of, you know, Things like certain diseases coming back where people could have gotten vaccines and didn't. Is it almost like, I thought we were going forward and it seems like we've hit a bit of a roadblock in the last couple of years with certain diseases that we are we have the knowledge to take care of them and to cure them and to make sure they don't happen, but they seem to be making a comeback. What's the perhaps explanation for this uh, alarming increase again? Yeah, I mean, I think these numbers, um, I'm sort of glad that these numbers are kind of getting out there because these are concerns that uh, public health and other uh, people who do sexually transmitted infection, STI research and programming services have been seeing and are very concerned about. Um, I think, uh, you know, the reality is that these aren't just infections that disappear unless there's a continual vigilance around making sure that people have access to the education, the resources, and the support they need uh, to ensure that they are, A, not getting these infections in the first place, B, if they get them, to know that they have them, because as you as you might have seen in the CBC uh, article today, a large proportion of people who have things like gonorrhea, syphilis, and even HIV don't know they even have it. Mm. So then, you know, that's another step, and then it requires getting treatment um, and making sure that people have access to care and support once they have a diagnosis. So it's not a simple thing. Most of these STIs are not, um, there's not vaccines for prevention for these. It mostly is about making sure that people have access to good sexual health knowledge, uh, adequate and accurate knowledge and information, as well as ways to address uh, concerns about any particular behaviors. Um, so, you know, so what we've seen is a dramatic decrease, for instance, in condom usage. A lot of that, I think, has to do with the fact that HIV is now considered much more of a chronic illness, right? People are living with HIV 
have um, generally similar lifespan as people who don't have HIV. That wasn't true 20 or 30 years ago. Mm. And even though you might have also seen that the reports that younger people are actually having less sex than, you know, baby boomers. Millennials tend to have report having being less sexual active than baby boomers, for instance, were at their age. But we're still seeing these dramatic increases because I think we've relaxed too much. Um, there have been rollbacks in sexual education uh, to not talk about certain uh, types of sex or how people engage in sex, like gay sex or dealing with different kinds of bodies, those sorts of things. And that, you know, it sounds so simple to say people need to be educated, but mm -hmm. the fact of the matter is that people really do need to know um, how you prevent uh, any of these STIs um, from from happening in the first place. Well, and then again, getting tested and treatment. And here's the uh, the alarming rates that, that we're talking about here. So over the last decade yeah. uh, in country, uh, chlamydia increased by 49%, gonorrhea yeah. by 81 syphilis by 178%. Now, yeah. for someone, you know, let's, I just said chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, we, you know, we kind of use this blanket term of uh, STI, but how do these three differ from each other? Well, so I have to be honest with you and say I'm not a biomedical physician, so I don't know a lot of the differences about them in, in kind of biomedical detail, but what yeah. I can say is that they're bacterial infections that okay. uh, people get as a result of contact, sexual contact with body fluids, and some of them are actually even infectious with uh, even just, um, so like for instance, syphilis has uh, cankers or sores, even just contact with that sore uh, could transmit syphilis. Uh, so you might not even be actively engaging in um, like uh, penetrative sex, for instance, um, but you might still be um, be uh, uh, you might still be infected, if you will, by by syphilis. So um, there are they are a little bit different, but primarily, I think we know that if people are going to be sexually active, if they use condoms as prevention, um, or a lot of people might not use condoms for a whole bunch of reasons. And if that's the case, if you're going to be sexually active, you really need to make sure that you're getting tested on a regular basis to make sure. Because, of course, these are primarily treatable. We do have the situation currently about gonorrhea, which, um, you know, there is a very, very um, uh, also an alarming increase in untreatable gonorrhea based on the fact that it's um, resistant to antibacterial. So um, we have to kind of think about antibiotics, sorry, um, gonorrhea. So that's a whole other ball game as well, right? Like, so uh, it is making sure that people, uh, that's why there's not a one-shot solution. There's an education, there's prevention tools like, um, uh, like condoms, but there's also um, making sure that people know what they have so that, that they can get access to proper treatment. Because long-term, many of these STIs can cause things like problems with your, uh, in your brain, uh, neurological diseases, blindness, hearing loss. Um, so there's, there's, there, there, they have long-term, potentially very, very difficult um, and complicated symptoms. So uh, the, when you mention education, uh, this part frustrates me because we're still having these battles over sex ed and teaching too much to children. And I think there's a perception that if kids learn about something, they're going to want to do it as if their normal biology isn't going to make them want to do things anyway. So the, the role, it, it seems like there's a rolling back of, you know, sexual education, which just it, it's I mean, it. 
it, it's frustrating, but also a lot of this is politically motivated. When at the you know at the end of the day, we're trying to keep people safe, and more knowledge is probably the answer. Correct? I, well, certainly from where I stand, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean. You know, the thing is, uh, not to get too much into the political uh, uh, sort of fiasco no, you here <laughs> in, um, in uh, Ontario, yeah. but the reality is that the, the, the sex education curriculum that came in under the previous government was 12 years in the making of research and community consultation. It was not a like, hey, let's do this. It was a very comprehensive process. But all of that got lost um, by some particular communities who felt like, oh, no, this is just, uh, you know, this is not how we want our children to learn and it's inappropriate. When, in fact, it was all about age-appropriate language. The people who coordinated and uh, did the research in this area did not do this. They did not tread lightly. They treaded very, very smartly. And um, so to have kind of this political backlash that was not based in evidence or science, it was based on fear. And I have to say also based on ignorance, because uh, people are saying things like, well, my children are not gay and they're not going to be gay. Well, good luck with that. Mm -hmm. That's statistically, it's probably true that your children are not going to be gay. But what about if one of your children were and Mm -hmm. they don't know anything about how to protect themselves? Uh, from these infections, let alone how to get treatment or testing. Um, There's so much shame about sexuality, so much shame still in our culture and society that people uh, don't want to talk about it. And they feel like if we talk to kids about it in age-appropriate ways that we're doing harm to them. There's no evidence of that. None. (laughs) Um, If you only think back to your own childhood, so for your listeners, think back to your own childhood. When did you figure out that you had genitalia? When did you figure out that you were sexually interested? Probably at those times that you had desires. I mean, probably at those times would have been a great time for someone you trust to be able to say what's happening to you is normal. And these are the things you need to think about in an age appropriate level. My God, if we could do that for all the children in Ontario, we'd be in a very different, in Canada, we'd be in a very different place around these STDDIs. Yeah, and there's also a weird notion of like, we're, you know, we're, sometimes we were sexualizing children too much, but talking about sex and STIs and pregnancy, I mean, I, it's, not, it's not a sexualizing of that. First of all, I want to know what's in those people's heads that they're actually coming to that kind of conclusion. Um, the other point too, and I think, and I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but there seems to be an increase in um, women using using birth control. And I wonder, mm-hmm. is it, you know, they're trying to protect it against pregnancy, which is great, but saying, well, I'm not going to get pregnant, so I don't need a condom now. Could that be maybe a cause of the rise in, in STIs that we're protecting against pregnancies, but those measures don't protect against STIs? Well, you know, it's a it's a it's a great question because believe it or not, it's actually there's a parallel to what's happening in the gay men's community, um, because uh, because of treatment for HIV and the fact that people who are HIV positive and on treatment are no longer infectious, they can't transmit the virus, right? Mm-hmm. So um, there's tons of science to back that now because of these kinds of things, people are using condoms less. Uh, because it's they're less likely they can take medications such as PrEP to prevent themselves from getting HIV. So that's great. It takes care of PrEP. It doesn't take care of these other infections. Right. 
So I think in many ways, there's other parts to this, so I don't want to oversimplify it, but in many ways, the fear of HIV has impacted how people engage in sexual behavior over the last 30 years, including, of course, most dramatically condom usage, um, or maybe abstinence as well for some people, or less sex, less partners, but it's changed behaviors. But now that that, uh, the need for condoms as part of HIV prevention is not as important. Some people will always use condoms. They're used to it. They've been doing it for 30 years. No problem. Awesome. But for some people, they're like, I don't want to use condoms. I'd rather take PrEP. Well, great. Then people who are taking those kind of medications, much like birth control, if they are sexually active, and assumedly they're sexually active if they're taking birth control because they're trying to prevent a pregnancy, um, then that means that getting tested for um, STIs is really an important part of their, you know, health care. Mm-hmm. And so the system has to kind of engage on that level. Um, and that's one of the things that I think the new Public Health Agency of Canada's framework is trying to look at is looking at how we engage these populations, but also having an integrated approach that speaks to different populations, what gay men are experiencing, what women are experiencing, what uh, heterosexual men are experiencing are different. Right. So we have to kind of think about how we can make sure that we're speaking to all those populations. And that's a lot. But I think people in the ST, it's now called STBBI, by the way. Wait, so what's it called? ST? STBBI. Oh. We love acronyms oh. in, in healthcare, as you know. So it's sexually transmitted in bloodborne illnesses because that includes things like hepatitis C, which we are seeing a dramatic increase, which is also sexually transmitted. All right. um, I got to learn more acronyms um, now. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Welcome to my world. I know. Um, and uh, so uh, in terms of sexually transmitted and bloodborne infections, so STBDIs, um, these, all, you know, we're, there are lots of people out there from community-based organizations, um, aid service organizations, STI clinics, public health nurses um, across Canada who are really trying to, to get this information out there. But until we have a very integrated approach, which I hope might come from this new framework from uh, PHAC, the Public Health Agency of Canada, um, that might help to kind of look at this. I hope that new funding can help to, and there is some new funding uh, to look at these issues broadly because um, the issue is not, okay, so there's a, a maybe a slight increase, but those numbers are dramatic, as you mentioned mm-hmm. at the top of this this interview. Those numbers are dramatic, and they are concerning because not all of those people are necessarily going to get treatment, and so there are going to be long-term consequences as a result of that. All right, David Brennan, uh, faculty of social work at the University of Toronto, thanks so much for doing this, and uh, I, I don't know what to say. I guess I hope it gets better. Yeah, no, I appreciate, you know, this is how it helps. Yeah. People hear about it and they say, oh, I have to think about Great. that. And so, awesome. All right, David, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yep. Take care. Have a good day. Yep, bye. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. You know, and I got I want to point this out before I bring in uh, our next guest. You know, the gamer girl, as she's being called, who's selling her bath water to, um, to dudes that uh, are fans of hers. And apparently she's sold out of the bath water. I don't blame her one bit. I mean, realistically, what, what is she doing? She's selling bathwater. Someone's buying it. To me, that, that that's the part that, that's, that's slightly concerning. Uh, Kristen Sunata Walker is going to join us, CEO of Everything EHR and the 
uh, Mental Health News Radio Network. And she joins us now. Hey, Kristen. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. I, I'm doing. I'm doing okay. I just. I need to figure out what's going on here. <laughs> what. What. What is good? And you know, here's the thing. I think, as much as anybody, I, I would say, hey, people are into what they're into, and and you know, good for them. But I do feel like there's a line at some point. If I'm a parent and my son is sending away for for a a female gamer's bathwater, I might be concerned. Right, but how many parents actually know that that's what their children no, are doing? No, no, I know, <laughs> I know, but I think that's where I would draw the line at. You're into what what you're into. What what is it about? And it seems, and I don't know. It just seems to be more or less guys that are doing this. I mean, we see it all the time. I mean, women are selling their underwear or their their dirty socks, and men are buying it on you know these sites like Kijiji and Craigslist. It seems to be guys buying this kind of stuff. Right. It's more, uh, you know, this is through the ages, isn't it, with um, men, especially uh, young men, but it doesn't stop at at youth uh, doing this kind of thing. So uh, it would seem unladylike, so to speak, Mm. to purchase something like that, even though it's not technically ladylike to sell your bath water, maybe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Is it so is it more of a uh, women kind of have that stigma in their head that, you know, women aren't supposed to do this. Probably there's some of that. And mm. I also think that it's, you know, the chase is still, we still go back to, you know, times from long ago where the chase is for the female and that's the prize. So uh, that's why we see so many more young men being, uh, you know, lured into doing things like this. And, you know, I'm not saying lured as in this is a, a woman's fault that she's making this happen. It's certainly their decision to do it. But, um, you know, that that's history's old dynamic when it comes to men and women. Yeah, and, and this is also the era of, you know, social media influencers, Um the Absolutely. woman in question, by the way, is Belle Def- Delphine. I don't know if that's a real name or not, but she is 19. She has 4.2 million subscribers on Instagram. And uh, these $30 bottles of bath water that, that are being sold, I mean, she's saying she sold out. I guess we don't know that that's the case, but but I mean, some, from some response, you know, there are people posing, you know, with b- whatever, I don't know if it's in a bottle or a case or whatever it's in, uh, but posing right. with it in photos. Um, so it's being purchased, but that does bring up the question of the kind of, you know, when we talk about sexuality, we want people to be expressive and, and free, but what, I mean, where is that line? And it's subjective, you know, it's all based on opinion, but do we get to a point where you say, okay, but maybe you need to go talk to somebody. Maybe there's something psychological right. that, and you know, if you're spending money on something like this, maybe something's wrong. Well, I think we've got to look at society as a whole. I mean, one of the new companies that I just started is uh, all about digital media and the addiction around mm. it. So it's it's an interesting phenomenon, these pockets of notoriety that are created all over the globe. Um, you can be a celebrity in even a foreign country, as an example, dependent on what you're doing on social media, what you're doing in terms of being a gamer. And people are looking to, A, have that notoriety because it gives them a sense of being a celebrity. And they're also looking to make a lot of money. So you've got those two things together with a young, impressionable person that's putting on this kind of, um, you know, 
atmosphere and then you also have you know the young impressionable audience as well so it's it's kind of a recipe for disaster in my opinion and i think at some point when you get over baby oh let's do this one time isn't this fun it becomes a habit it becomes an addiction and then we're talking about someone needing serious mental health care yeah and at some point you know a lot of these guys that are you know, a lot of them probably parents and have young children. And then you you just, you wonder what their mental capacity is to be able to even, uh, you know, raise a well-adjusted human being themselves. Absolutely. I mean, people are, are looking for that distraction. They're looking for that addictive hit that you get every time you're playing a game or you're liking something or following something on social media. We know from our neurochemistry that it's giving you a dopamine hit every single time Mm. and we're overloading our brains. I mean, kids' brains today are lighting up in places that ours, well, I don't know what your age is, but mine doesn't light up as much because I did not grow up with this. And that's not a good thing. It's it's actually creating addiction. So that's going to parlay into other areas of their life. You don't just stay addicted in one place. That definitely moves and bobs and weaves throughout other areas of your life. And it's certainly disconcerting. And it's also, if if it's found out, we're talking about job loss, um, possible, you know, families broken up. I mean, there's so many, there's so many things that can go wrong in these situations. And, you know, your body chemistry is betraying you. And that's what these games and social media is designed to do. It's designed to get you hooked. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I'm in my early to mid 30s. So I'm on the cusp of that. Like, I remember growing up and, you know, if I wanted any kind of pornography in my teens, I was watching a scrambled channel or recording one of those like right. soft core shows on city TV on a Friday night uh, after midnight, <laughs> ba- baby blue is my favorite. But so there's, there's different things that, you know, I, they're different methods, but it was still hard to get to. And then I got the internet and then it was a little more accessible, but you still kind of had to pay unless you had other ways. Now though, I mean, if, if I was that a teenager, if free. I was a teenager now, I would have probably dropped out of school and no one would ever see me again. It is, it's, it's just there. Right. It's free. You can do it incognito on your browser. So no one knows you're there. That, I mean, that has to kind of play into it. People are able to tap into things that they weren't able. Maybe someone is into this bathwater thing, but they wouldn't have known because they wouldn't have had access to it. Absolutely. The access to information is unbelievable. And even though there are quote unquote safeguards, like you must prove that you're 18 before you yeah. look at you know this specific content on YouTube, well, it's easy enough to fake an account and you know state that you're over 18. So it's really not an impediment. I think um, what we're seeing too is that that drive and that need to go and look and to be a voyeur we're seeing that overtaken with what I mentioned before, your body chemistry betraying you. Because once you get in a loop and you start creating those neural pathways towards that addiction, like you said, forget school, forget anything else that you've got going on in your life. This is what you're going to spend your time doing. Well, and just, I'm just, the more I read about this, this young woman, because there are, you know, in terms of her sales, I mean, they seem legitimate only in the sense that a lot of people are posting videos of them using the water. People are vaping with it. They're drinking mm-hmm. it, um, doing all kinds of things. And Delphine, this 19-year-old in question, she's never actually been nude anywhere. It started out she was playing video games. Then she started a Snapchat account where she charged members up to $2,500 a month. And all she was doing on the videos was... Um, 
eating mac and cheese, eating raw eggs. Um, she stuck googly eyes on a dead octopus. Like this is what she's doing and people are paying and they're watching it. And then she started an account um, on the porn site Pornhub, but she doesn't actually, it's all she does again is she films herself eating or like just standing there and people are subscribing to her account. It's become this, I don't, I don't even know how to explain it, but it's, there's not right. even a sexual component to it anymore. Well, it's a, it's still, there's still an erotic component right. to it. Think of, uh, you know, forever ago when just seeing a woman's ankle mm-hmm. was part of the, the allure. Uh, it, it won't stay that way. People will demand more. And, you know, it's an effective marketing technique to say, I'm almost out or I'm out of something. People want that more. And then there's a wait list. So there's a whole strategy, a business strategy behind this kind of an account that gets set up. Um, and I think, you know, I don't like to say what a what a wonderful effective business strategy for something like this, because it says a lot about our society that it's right. so popular. But that's exactly what it is. It's a business strategy. Yeah. Like I said, it's hard to blame her. I mean, people, there there's a demand for it for whatever reason. And, you know, she's all, everything in her head saying, hey, I'm not I'm not nude. I'm not doing any pornography. I'm just right. I'm, I'm not offering up my virginity. No, exactly. I'm I'm meet, I'm eating mac and cheese in the bathtub and people are paying me to do it for some reason and I'm just going to keep right. doing it. Um all right, well, you know, I don't know. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I it, <laughs> we can we can talk about this for hours and try and figure out what's going on, but uh Kristen Sonata Walker, CEO of Everything EHR and the Mental Health News Radio Network. Um how can we get to more of your work? You can go to um, mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, and uh, that lists all of our shows. We've got over 50 shows with everything under the sun when it comes to mental health topics. And um, take your pick. Take your pick as to what strikes you. I guarantee you we don't have a show about selling bathwater to you. You don't. That was my next question. All right. Thanks for clarifying (laughs) that. Kristen, thanks so much. Take care. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know. I, I can, you know, I can be all high and mighty and say, like, but I, like I just said, I don't know what I would be like being a teenager now. Like I was, I first got the internet in grade nine, I think it was. But even then, pornography wasn't still wasn't easy to get. I mean, you know, you still had to. Most of it was pay, or you had to like illegally download it, and that was a whole issue. And you know, it was like Windows ninety five that got a virus every three seconds. Uh, but now, forget about. You don't even need a computer. And if uh, I don't know, I'm, maybe I'm just glad I don't. I didn't grow up in that uh, that era. Maybe I, maybe maybe I'd be buying bathwater. I like to hope. I like to hope that I'm not. And imagine if you're a parent and like you know, I, I I'm not a parent myself. But you have the child, this you know precious innocent little baby, and and you just you have all these hopes and dreams for them. They're gonna maybe they're gonna be a doctor or a lawyer, gonna do something great. They're gonna make a, a change and a difference in the world. And then they grow up to to buy bathwater on the internet. I mean, at that point, you just think like, all all these years for nothing. Now what do I got to do? Like I I see those strange uh, strange addiction. Now people are probably ill that are doing it, and you know like that. Remember that I don't even know if it's still on or not. My strange addiction, where like people would were you know eating styrofoam and it's like uh, insulation on walls, uh, hand sanitizer. I mean that's a whole alcoholism thing. But as, as a parent, you're just like, come on, come on! I had so, I had so I had so much planned for you, and you're buying, you're buying bathwater, and it's also if you if you see a photo of her, uh, where did I put her name? 
Delphine, no, Belle Delphine. Um, I mean, it, really, if you want, just Google or don't gamer girl bathwater. I, I couldn't even say the sentence, it's, but that's what I had to Google to get. I'm actually, I don't know if I got my termination letter uh, earlier today after Googling that at work, but, uh, but if you see her, she's even tapping into this thing that I've noticed where guys, especially gamer guys, they're really into anime. And so a lot of the girls that game, they try to make themselves look like anime characters. So she's almost done her makeup to look Asian. Like she's done stuff to her eyes, but she's not Asian. And she, but she's doing this. She's trying to look like this cartoony type Asian character. And she's, ta- listen, we can criticize her all we want. Someone's buying it. I mean, she's not doing anything illegal. I don't know. I can't. Listen, if you've purchased any of Delphine's bathwater, please email me. Anthony at 900CHML.com. I need to know more about you. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900CHML. Making sense of the Democratic debate uh, in the United States. There are people that watch this like, you know, sports fans cheering for their top candidate, but uh, it's pretty muddled. So I'm, I'm, there's at about 20 now uh, debating still. So helping us make sense of it all is Reggie Cicchini. Washington producer and correspondent with Global News based uh, in Washington, D.C., and he joins us now. Hey, Reggie. Good afternoon. How are you? I am uh, doing well. Tired after kind of two nights of debates. Yeah, and it's, again, you know, for people that maybe don't even understand the process, because it is obviously much different than what we uh, experience here in Canada, um, but how do they narrow down? I mean, now we're down to, what, 20 in total that are getting debate time? We are down to 20 right now. It was 20 the last round, 20 this time around. But they set parameters. The, the the stations who kind of run these debates, last night was CNN, it was NBC the first round, ABC gets the September round of debates, and there are qualifiers according to the, uh, the Democratic National Committee that you have to meet in order to get on stage for this. The qualifications for the last two rounds of debates were kind of out there. Anybody was able to get in. It's much more uh, laser-focused heading into September. You have to be at 2% in the polls. You have to have 130,000 new donors to your campaign you have to have x number of dollars this kind of laser focus going into september is very quickly going to peel away some of those outliers and the kind of lesser knowns that have been on the debate stages the last couple of times yeah and that makes it tough because you have the the the, the names the big names so to speak you know like elizabeth uh, warren and bernie sanders and the guys and and uh biden as well and people that are going to stand out I mean, how does one of the outliers, I mean, how do you even get a foothold or any kind of traction when you're with those recognizable faces beside you? Well, over the last two nights, we saw how you can actually do that because there are front runners who come to the stage for these debates. And they, you know, in in the case of something like Joe Biden, where the people around Joe Biden, the polls for Joe Biden have basically shown him to be this front runner and like these uh, and, and essentially that these debates are his to run away with. So sometimes there's less prep going in there. Sometimes there's overconfidence when you're on stage and you are also going to be the center point for all attacks when you're the front runner, leaving the people who are lesser known to get some good one liners in. They don't get as much time to talk because the moderators tend to not go to them as frequently. But when they do get a chance because they know they don't have a lot of time in the spotlight, they will offer up a couple of good one-liners up against who those front runners are. That's how you get some notoriety. Last night we had uh, Julian Castro making some good lines. Andrew Yang had some good comebacks when he was talking about uh, his proposals going forward. So these are people who you might not know who they are going into the debate, but they're usually the ones, like on debate one, where Marianne Williamson had some good lines and people were like, where did this come from? Uh, they're the ones that 
that you kind of remember and you don't really remember the big names. Can, can you re- remember an example of, of someone just coming out of nowhere and, and w- because of the debates, being able to get some kind of traction going in as an outlier, but the, de- the debates come through and all of a sudden they're, they're able to kind of catapult themselves to the top? Donald Trump when well, he came when he came in 2016 there was this big group of well-known Republicans everybody thought this was going to be a Jeb Bush uh, uh, versus Hillary Clinton election in 2016 Donald Trump joined in he was bombastic he was uh, basically the way he is right now but it was an unheard of way to be doing politics in 2016 and to be doing debates and using uh, kind of playground and, and sandbox language to talk about the people on the stage that resonated well that put the polling in his favor that put him where he is right now so there are opportunities Opportunities for people on the outskirts of these uh, debates to be able to gain enough notoriety, gain enough popularity, gain enough money uh, to be able to continue on. I don't think we're going to see that with a lot of the people that we've seen over the last two nights, but there are going to be a couple that stand out and we may see them kind of skirt their way into the next round of debates before it gets much more difficult for them to go when we kind of get into that lesser than 10 and lesser than five number. And again, but I mean, Trump, Trump was known going in. I mean, he had his own celebrity going in. So I I'm just trying to think of some of these, and maybe, I don't know, maybe uh, it, this is just over my head, but I'm trying to w- imagine why with the, 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 the pool muddled as much as it is right now, why even enter a race like this when some of the people, you know, they don't have a shot. I mean, what, what is the, what's the motive here? Well, there is an upshot to the people who know that they have no chance to get any further than the first couple of debates because it puts them on the radar. Whether or not they're just low-level or entry-level representatives in the House of uh, Representatives in Washington, or whether or not they're somebody like Marianne Williamson, who kind of was a Hollywood go-to in the spiritual sector, uh, you know, a couple of decades ago, it's a way to keep yourself relevant or to remake yourself relevant, to put yourself on a spotlight, because this is where people get pundit jobs on cable networks. This is where people get book deals. This is where people are able to expand a political career outside of maybe, uh, you know, a too aspirational attempt to become the president. So there are people that are doing this solely because they either want to get a message out there, like somebody like Representative Eric Swalwell, he dropped out of the race, was able to get through a debate, was able to put his kind of policy platforms on the ground, and then kind of drop out to allow somebody else to come in because he didn't have enough support. But what it does is then by the time somebody is chosen for president, maybe you're going to be somebody who's pulled in for a cabinet position. Maybe you're somebody who's going to be pulled in for a second ticket to go as the vice president. So there are opportunities once you're off that debate stage when you're not the big name. So I I know coming out of the first one, Kamala Harris was a standout and everyone kind of piled on Biden and still kind of did last night. Coming out of these, this new uh, round of debates, has that changed? Has the polling changed? Has perception changed just based on these debates? Well, I mean, it's it's quick polls that are taken right after the debates are going to basically show you what you saw going into these debates. Joe Biden still has a big leading. Kamala Harris doesn't have as big of a leading as she had after that first debate, because now that she's a front runner, she was piled on last night and it showed mm-hmm. that she wasn't prepared to answer some of these questions. But she still does have a big following. It's the same with night one. Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, although Warren has now kind of put, uh, lifted herself up a little more and she's really starting to get on the tails of these front runners, Joe Biden and, and Bernie Sanders. So uh, there are are opportunities for big names to go in and still have this big polling. It's kind of in the days and weeks afterwards where they're kind of, uh, 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 I guess, looked into under a microscope for the things that they had to say and people start fact-checking and going through it all, where you'll start to see the polling numbers change. We'll likely see that as we go over the next week or so, kind of rounding out all of August before we get the qualifiers in for the September debate. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Um, I got this is an honor for me. I, I still can't believe uh, we're, we're about to do this, but uh, I am joined 
by Chad and JT, the Surfer Bros. Hey guys, you there? What up? It's Chad. JT's on his way, but uh, he should be here in a second. Is he partying? Uh, he he likes to sleep in. That's fair. Well, all the partying. I mean, you get tired. You oh, know, for sure. I got. I'm I'm getting a little choked up here in your voice because I. You know what it is? Uh, us millennials are accused of being you know selfish and not being engaged in social and civil causes. But you guys, you're an inspiration. Uh, what is it about local Thank politics? You. What drives you with local politics? Um. Well, I guess it all started. You know, like. Local politics started for me when, like, our favorite pokey shop, the Pokey Shack, was going to get shut down and replaced with the uh, Brooks Brothers. And that's when uh, things really hit home. I was like, you know what, we got to take action. And my buddy Trevor, his dad was on the council at the time, and he's like, well, we could go into the council and, you know, say our piece about the Pokey Shack and all the dank salmon they have to offer, and that's what we did. And that's when it really just sort of started to take hold of me. I'm like, you know what, i got to fight for what I believe in. Yeah, and my passion. Uh, you know, and and let me just run down some of the causes you've taken up at a local, at your local city JT's council here, meeting. By the way. What up, dude? JT's there. There you go. Now I'm. This is it. The dream. The dream is realized right now. I, I got both of you on. But I, some of the causes you've taken up. Let me just run them down in case people just aren't just criminally unaware at this point. Uh, partying obviously very important to you and your crew. You've stood up to counselors and defended your right to party in the midst of proposed bans and regulations. What What is the party status right now where you guys are? It's solid. There's good ragers often. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. don't know how much credit we should take for that. I selfishly think it would be dang to take all the credit, but you have to give it up to all the individuals who still rage Fair enough. What about the Paul Walker statue? Because that was a big one. I mean, you guys wanted a statue built of the late Paul Walker. Have you made progress on that? Um, well, the budge is sort of a major issue with that. But, you know, the, the support for the statue just keeps growing and growing. So we're just trying to figure out new ways to sort of fund it. We're thinking of, you know, raising our parents' taxes, something like that. And, yeah. and creating a bigger coalition of people to, to get it going. I mean, we're looking at – I'm at Child's Department right now, which is legit – and uh, I'm looking at different mock-ups, and, and they all look good. So it's also about just finding the right aesthetic to represent him. That's yeah, fair. I sort of meditate and look at the mock-ups uh, for about an hour each morning just to sort of visualize it and manifest. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that makes sense. It, you know, this one really spoke to me because you wanted to have a water treatment facility renamed the Britney Spears Toxic Water Treatment Facility. How will progress on that? Because I think that one spoke to me more than all of them. Uh, well, there's a major snafu in our plan. Uh, we spoke to the wrong council, apparently. Uh, I guess there's no water treatment center in Manhattan Beach, which is, like, <laughs> a, a bummer. Which is, like, a bigger issue. Like, why don't they have a water treatment center in Manhattan Beach? It would seem like most uh, cities of that size should have a water treatment center. Uh, yeah, like, there's a there's a surf break called, I'm just going to use the right word here, crap pipe. Yeah. Um, Just, you know, I'm using... Yeah, I get it. Sorry. I appreciate um, it. And it'd be nice if they had a water treatment center, so it'd be called Clean Pipe. That's fair. That's fair. And I got to tell you, 
one of the most recent causes you've taken up. And actually, I, I might have a solution for you, but but I want to talk talk to you about this first. You guys went on the Howard Stone, Stern Show last week. I listened live. I was proud of you guys getting the attention you deserve from the, the king of all media. I was worried, though, that you had maybe gotten too big, uh, maybe you wouldn't have accepted, uh, accepted my invite for today. But that really goes to show you that, you know, you guys, are, you're still Jenny from the block. You know what I mean? You know where your roots are, and, and you're still there for everybody. For sure, dude. I mean, like, the way that I still feel like I'm a fly girl on SNL. Like, I'm never going to lose that part of myself. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or living color. Sorry. Uh, that's okay. I, mean, I, I don't know the reference, but I'm totally on board with what he's saying. I can feel in the energy. Um, we just like to, you know, always go back to the local. Just, you know, stay grounded. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, you you went on the Howard Stern show on SiriusXM. You unveiled your newest civil fight. Do you guys mind if I play play some of that? Yeah, dude, play it. All right. Thank you. So f- first, we'll hear from from Chad. Uh, yeah. What up, Council? Uh, my name is Chad Kroger. As most of you already know, Fourth of July is my favorite holiday. Fireworks, hot dogs, and Bud Heavies. It's so legit. Like everyone before, this 4th of July was epic. And to paint a painting for you, I started the day by sinking a no rebuttal on the beer pong table with my girlfriend at 7 a.m. In my just blazing remember, eagle kimono. Chad, just remember, just like we told you the last time you were here, and we yep. do remember you here, make sure that it is about um, things coming before our council. Oh, for sure. Yeah, okay, it, you're going to get there? I'm getting to it. I'm Great. just trying to paint the hole. Got it. So, yeah. Thank you. Um... In my Blazing Eagle kimono. Um, Everyone should do that. I've honestly been a different human ever since. After that, a freaking earthquake happened. But I refused to let it shake me. Pun. And the (laughs) intimate things I said to my GF after cannot be shared. Which brings me to a larger issue. Why does the USA have so few party holidays? It doesn't make sense. I am ready to rage every day. So why does my country afford me so little opportunity? Memorial Day is legit, but for doing SEAL Team workouts. Respect the troops. Kellen tried to make Flag Day a thing, but it sucked. Mm-hmm. What happened to us, Council? America built the 4th of July holiday around raging, and I bet the Founding Fathers used to celebrate the 4th 47 times a year, one for each state. That's why the forefathers threw tea in the harbor, to make room for more kegs. Okay. Um, have you heard of England? <laughs> They have this queen there who celebrates her birthday twice. Once on her birthday in April and again in June because April in England is not conducive for tanning. So I propose that we declare a second Independence Day on the 2nd of July, the day of the movie Independence Day with Will, when Will, with Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum came out. <laughs> the day President Bill Pullman said in one loud voice, we will not go quietly into the night, dudes. I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, it's it's genius. And and by the way, JT, I got to ask you, do you have professional vocal training? Um, No, but ever since I started doing city council speeches and uh, singing more often publicly, I've definitely become more attuned to harmony and pitch and kind of the different attributes of singing. Yeah, and I, I really, and I got to do you justice here because I, I want to play your part just because, and I think people need to under. Tur- get, go somewhere quiet so you can just isolate the vocals of JT because it, it's unbelievable. And I recognize our singer. What up? From last time, or last time. So please make sure that it has to do with the city. We're all of here. Of course, and thank you for city. that kind remembrance. Thank you. 
my dogs. Um, I also want to say that I think Chad just killed it. Um, he's very right that we need another holiday badly, and it should most definitely be an extra 4th of July. Not to overshare, but I lost my virginity on the 4th of July um, 10 days ago. We chugged Kirkland vodka from the bottle and reminisced about a religious retreat from high school while we watched the fireworks. <laughs> She's the one. Hearing Chad tell his story about his rebuttal shot made me super stoked for his skill, but sad that I wasn't there. I wish I had had more time on the 4th to split between Chad and my soulmate, Sally. I hope you guys can create another holiday so regular hardworking citizens like me don't have to make these impossible choices. I dream about a day where there's enough Independence Days for me to play King's Cup with my queen and my king. That would be dank. You could make love happen, council. The pen is in your hand. Thank you. Staring at the blank page before you. Open up the dirty window. Let the sun illuminate the words that you cannot find. Reaching for something in the distance. So close you can almost taste it. Release your inhibitions. Feel the rain on your skin. Everybody. (laughs) No one else. Feel for you. Only you can let it in. No one else. No one else can speak the words uh, on your it's, lips. Drench yourself. It's you know what? It's a mixture. Picture an angel maybe playing a harp. Is that is that a good analogy, JT? Yeah, dude, I'm crying right now. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it. Congratulations on on the sex, by the way. Oh, thank you, dude. That's really sweet of you. And I, I've been really just amped on how many people are pumped on it, and um. Yeah, me and Sally could not be more stoked, you know. JT yeah. FaceTimed me right after, like, literally, like, one minute after the deed, and, like, I got to meet Sally, and I was, it was a beautiful moment. And you get to share it. I mean, it's unbelievable, the bond you guys have. Now, I, here's my pitch to you guys, okay? It's funny, too, because she, she was FaceTiming her buddy, Carly, <laughs> and so it was, like, a menage FaceTime with all of our besties. <laughs> yeah, I have a GF, but I bonded with Carly and like, a... Um, just a stoked way. A stoked way. Yeah. yeah, like maybe like platonic, kind of way. For sure, dude. Listen, I got this pitch for you, and I just hear me out. I don't know if you thought about this yet. You know, in Canada, we don't have Independence Day. Um, instead of July Fourth, we have a holiday on July First. It's called Canada Day. So what if? Right. What if U.S. and Canada make a deal to celebrate each other's holidays? This way, July First and Fourth would be party days for both countries. Whoa, dude! I love that, dude. That's a great. That's the plan. And on top of that, it should be celebrated with a full-on Nickelback concert. Yes. Yeah, because that's another one of our causes. We're getting oh. The bond. Oh yeah. Oh, I I'm and run it by your crew because I know you guys like to collaborate. So so maybe maybe do that. All right. Now th- this is the main reason I reached out to you guys, and this is where I get okay. I get a little emotional because it's t- it's tough for me to talk about. Canada's home to the greatest rock band in the history of music. And you obviously know which band uh, I'm referring to. Canadians, though, in large part, some of them have even disowned Nickelback. R- radio stations refusing to play their music. And, uh, you know, what do we do? What, what do we do to get Nickelback the recognition they deserve? It, it takes time for people to appreciate true genius work. Like, that guy Van Gogh. <laughs> like, people, like, didn't even appreciate him until he was a goner, so... Um, you know, we're going to fight for Nickelback as much as we can, but 
you know, I think a lot of it just has to do with time for people to realize, like, whoa, this is a really, this really touched my heartstrings in a way that I couldn't even comprehend at the moment. And what about to get Americans more? I mean, can we do something? Can we integrate Nickelback into American culture a little more? Yeah, dude, someone had a good call about renaming Niagara Falls Nickelback Falls, and I think that's a super stellar idea. Yeah, maybe like diplomatic immunity for Nickelback in the U.S. or something? Oh, we pitched that. We talked to Howard about that. That Yeah, that was big for us. Is that That's basically like being knighted, so let's knight him. Right. Awesome. All right. And by the way, Chad, your name is Chad Kroger, which what an amazing coincidence that, that you have the exact same name as the front man in Nickelback. Dude, I like thank the universe for that every day. And like, I keep hounding my mom. I'm like, was how you remind me playing when I was conceived or even birthed? Because uh, it's just such a blessing, dude. And I, I'm just so pumped. Absolutely. All right. Chad Kroger and JT Surfer Bros. Uh, Chad Goes Deep is the YouTube channel. Uh, go to podcast is there go to chadgoesdeep.com it's all there you guys are legends I'm actually not that good of a surfer just for to keep it real okay that's okay it's just a name we, we it's fine it doesn't have to be literal we're okay with Sweet. that thanks dude yeah legends inspirations keep fighting the good fight and thanks for joining me thanks dude later dude take Mom. care that's I mean that nothing nothing will top that experience I just had The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML. This is the Scott Thompson Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts or wherever you get yours. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review so you don't miss a thing. I'm Scott Thompson, and thanks for listening.